apology. Have a seat, sister. This may take a while. Don't be afraid. The two pistols you see smoking in my hands are harmless now. Both clips are empty, much like a Larry Elder speech. And even though I was aiming at the system when I first unloaded shots into the air, I see now that I missed the target. The system remains intact while you sit wounded and battle-weary from decades of bullets being lodged deep into your heart and soul. I murdered you many times. Still, you didn't die. Not even once. I apologize for abandoning you and leaving you to fend for yourself in a world as cruel as it is cold. I should have supported you when you offered to be a part of the struggle. But the struggle was an internal one as well as an external one. And I was losing on both fronts. I got mad at you for straightening your hair, for slow dancing in the arms of white men, for challenging my manhood and comparing it to other races. I hated the way the system divided us by promoting you and demoting me. But instead of uniting with you and having your back, I attacked you and left you alone in your grief. I apologize for flaunting white women in your face as soon as I got money or fame. I was suffering from a mental illness that had me believing that my self-worth had to be approved by blue eyes. I know it hurt you to see me betray you so quickly, so easily, and so often. I had you feeling as though you were not worthy to be in my arms, when the opposite was true. I was not worthy of yours. I apologize for dying so young in the streets. I just wanted respect. I just wanted power. And the only people in my hood who possessed these qualities were the gangsters and thugs and dealers. You warned me to be careful. You begged me to slow down. But I didn't listen. The respect for the street was all I had. It was something I was willing to kill for, to even die for. I was fighting a war against myself and dying for a cause that didn't exist. I apologize for breaking your heart and betraying your trust and hurting you so badly that you became almost as racist as the system. You start calling all black men dogs and writing cruel little waiting to excel type books that spent too much time degrading me instead of explaining that good black men are the majority. Your anger and books flew high like African Jahaka birds towards the tree branches of my soul. But instead of forgiving me and attempting to rebuild your nest, your anger and books became woodpeckers and pecked away at what was left of me. You screamed out that good black men were hard to find and blamed me for your actions when you held white men in your arms. I tried to tell you that I was the minority and that good black men were everywhere. But it was easier for you to point fingers at me than it was to give these brothers a chance. I should have treated you like the queen that you are and so that other black men wouldn't be falsely accused of my emotional crimes. I murdered you many times. Still, you didn't die. Not even once. I apologize for encouraging you to be materialistic. I dumped my money into the same system that was destroying me and tried to impress you with expensive cars, platinum jewelry, and polo gear. I fooled you into thinking that the measure of a man was in his bank account or in the size of the knot in his front pocket. You jumped into the front seat of my Lexus, happy because your friends were now envious of you as we both sped down a dead-end road at 100 miles per hour. As a result, many black men who didn't own a Lexus were ignored and even dismissed by you. I had you feeling that your love came with a price tag. I apologize for the late night booty calls. You wanted to talk, to cuddle, and to explore the depth of my character. I only wanted sex. I called you when I was horny and only reached out to you when I saw that you were slipping away. I should have talked to you and opened up to you. Instead, I trusted only my homeboys and factored you out of the equation. And I apologize. I apologize for turning you against your friends and family members. I was jealous of their influence over you. I was afraid that you would listen to them when they told you that I was not good for you. 
I didn't have a job, and when I did, I used it as a weapon against you. When wise sisters told you to raise your standards, I persuaded you to lower them. I had you thinking that you had to have a man, any man, to be complete. And I apologize for that. I murdered you many times, sister. Yet incredibly, amazingly, you didn't die. Not even once. And this serves as the ultimate testimony to your true greatness. Somebody else. <laughs> I, I apologize, Blue. Odie said uh, she would be right back. So, um, I'm here. Then let's start oh, with Mercedes. Oh, 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 oh. She's here. She's here. <laughs> oh, then let's start back with Odie. <laughs> um, did anybody hear me? Oh, uh, I hear you. Okay, yeah, I'm asking if I can bring on a guest today. Yes, you may. Okay, I will call conference him in. All right, All right. Odie, go for it. Good morning, folks. Uh, so, happy single to Marco. Uh, in the party spirit... In the spirit of parking, I am. I'm definitely trying to keep things light because, frankly, Kanye West and Bill Cosby have drank to no end. I'm not feeling either one of them right now, and that's okay. So I'm gonna keep things light, but um, <laughs> in the interest of popular opinion, we're still gonna discuss Kanye, but. Kind of discuss one of the things, one of the portions of his interviews that kind of flew under the radar that I thought was hilarious. Um, so the interview with uh, him and Charlamagne the God came out this week, and uh, definitely, definitely popping on YouTube. And one of the things that he mentioned was his option to have liposuction back in I think 2000, 2000 whatever. It doesn't matter. He had liposuction. Yeah, <laughs> 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 and we'll talk about 
I thought that was hilarious. Um, and I remember reading, like, in the comment section a long time ago, somebody had said, dang, I know that body is not doing nothing for you, Kim, because after having Reggie Bush and you know, dating all these athletes, like, that body is not hitting. And I wonder if Kanye saw that same comment and said, you know what, let me get it right and tight for my wife. Because he had life reflection, and that's actually what uh, led to his opioid addiction, as he put it. And he's uh, <laughs> Kanye okay, that we've seen since. Now, just to unpack this a little bit, I do think it's odd that that this man opted to get liposuction with his mother has a like cosmetic procedure. You know, right? That leads me to believe like there's no way that this guy is in his right mind. It's just no oh, way. Oh, she did that during surgery. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm little, yeah, during unnecessary surgery. <laughs> so that that makes uh, it even worse, you know. Yeah, I agree with right. that. Like yeah, he he he's blaming it on what really was a choice <laughs> or whatever. Wow. <laughs> yeah, liposuction was a choice. <laughs> Definitely was a choice. Now I'm gonna go ahead and um since I put it out to address the original Kanye situation um real quick before I um run some errands today. But anyway. So Kanye, you know, about the whole slavery thing, he said it was a choice. I will say one thing. I even remember thinking to myself, I'm like, how did we as a people outnumbering them by hundreds of thousands actually allow 400 years to occur? Did we fight back? Now, granted, I know there were several revolts. There were many people who were kind of like the woke community today. Like, we knew that shit wasn't right. But at what point could we have ended our own enslavement history, like the physical enslavement, because I'm a true believer that slavery still exists today, especially mentally with our people, but at what point, at what point will we have, why did, why did our physical enslavement history have to end still giving credit to the white man? The Emancipation Proclamation was not written by us. The Civil War was not started by us. It was started supposedly for us, but I'm pretty sure it was for some type of governmental gain as well. Then on top of that, historically... Exactly. So on top of that, even though the North won and the free, the slaves were freed, you know, during what was it, June 15th to the 19th, good old Juneteenth or whatever, as much as I would like to celebrate that, it would have been more celebratory and more, um, I guess, astounding in my opinion, had we ended our own situation behind a revolution that we put together, that we had won on our own. But well, we didn't do that. If, if, if I may... You know, being a, a child of, of West Indians, you know, from what I've read, you know, and this is a long time ago that I read this. You know, if you took a slave from Africa and you brought him to America and you said, hey, nigger, bail that cotton, he'll bail it today. Tomorrow he'll kill you in your sleep. So what they had to do was they had to break these slaves before they brought them to America. So they took them to the West Indies and they had these camps where they would uh, break their spirits before they brought them to be sold. And the ones who they couldn't break, they simply left them behind, which is how we got to the West Indies uh, in the first place, from what yeah. I've read. You know? so, uh, and then plus, you know, you have uh, the religious aspect of it, you know, letting, leading people to believe that all the suffering they're going through now will be rewarded when they get to heaven. You know? So hmm. there was a lot of other factors into it. But if they just brought them straight from Africa, hey, like, like, like Eddie Murphy said, 
like Eddie Murphy said, either, hey, nigga, bail that cop. They're like, yo, suck my dick, master. <laughs> it would have been like that. But they had to break them first beforehand to make them viable slaves because they didn't want them because they knew in, the, in 10 seconds flat they would revolt. Well, give us something Not to finish, you, think about, you think about the revolt, you think about uh, the Haitians who did revolt, Nat Turner, what the fuck they do to Nat Turner? They made a hell of an example out of him. Chop them up like monsters, like Black Wall Street, even past slavery. Anytime we try to get, you know, two steps ahead, it was a threat. So, yeah, no, like, I agree. it ain't a, Like, you've got to make examples. And it's like, well, damn, well, do you live for your children or do you go ahead and die? I mean, that was basically your two options. Or do you try to, like, you know, make the best out of a really fucked up situation? And, you know, we, look, Twitter, like Twitter has been tricking all this week. If you need to be entertained, feel free to have a look at the at the Topic if slavery was a choice. That's out oh of fucked up wages. We take some bullshit and make it into fantastic too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I I got a couple of the memes that I found. Uh, there was a funny one. Um, I'll drop it in the group a little bit in a little bit, but it's like I don't know. We make light we make light of what is really a serious situation because to be completely honest with you, mental enslavement still exists today, especially mm-hmm. religiously. Um, you can't tell a Christian and them nothing about their Jesus, and if you don't believe in their Jesus, they're the, on, the black person in their in their Jesus. And typically, Jesus in the eyes of especially these Southern Baptists is still white. So, yeah, that that enslavement within itself, to me, is worse than shackles and hanging me from a tree. To me, to be yeah. honest, with you, that's 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 damn right pathetic. Now granted, I don't knock anybody for their religious beliefs, but I've walked into one church, one black church down here in the south in my life and saw a black Jesus. Um, and then of course those same people go against the Hebrew Israelites and their beliefs, which we, we know how the Hebrew Israelite faith started when it comes down to, you know, the blackness behind it. Um, that, that's, that's another story for another day. But as a people, we're so broken and divided whether it be light skin, dark skin, you know, Muslim, Hebrew, Israelite, Christian, you know, we're just so divided as a people that the enslavement is still there. We will never come Mission together. We were just as about then. The yeah, it was, it was but back then, that was back, back then the division was more simple. It was house slave, field slave, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and maybe a little light skin, dark skin, you know, the ones that had the baby. No, daughter. it wasn't. It was strategic from jump even before that. You take you take an African from this tribe, you take an African from another, now all of a sudden they can't speak the same language or the same dialect. It's, it's way more strategic than that. Like, I give them crackers credit for that because they figured a way to do that shit that was like, they was like, okay, the natives ain't having it. So we came on their shit. Let's go get some people and bring them to the party. And in that way, you know, we can, we can control the situation more because we know the land now. Yeah. They, they knew what was up. I think that's the point Kanye was trying to make. Yeah. No, nope. well, I don't. I don't believe that was the point Kanye was trying to make. I, I think. Um, I, sure I think that was. Point was I, think, Let me I, I think that just because like Kanye is such a genius that he has a, a terrible way of portraying what he's trying to say. But I believe that's the point he was trying to make. Like, I think he's saying slavery was a choice because. You know, we could have been done something about it. Like you said, we outnumber. 
Like it, it's such a big amount that we, we could need- then came together and rose above that. But because, like you said, everybody's so divided, nobody can really see the bigger picture. And and the bigger picture would be for everybody to come together and rise above that. And and that's a that's a that's a mental choice that you're 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 consciously making that choice not to do anything about it. I, I, I will disagree on one thing. It's not a mental choice that they chose. It's a mental choice. It's a mental choice that they were conditioned into. Because I don't think anybody wakes up and says, you know, it would be easier if I was just a slave. It's conditioning that gets people into that state of that whole mental slavery thing. Because I don't think, I'm not saying that there aren't people like that, because there are a lot of people who do a lot of goofy things. But on a whole, I don't think a lot of people were just thinking, you know what, slavery is the way for me. They, they need to be conditioned to be that way. The, the knowledge that you have, did you choose to retain that knowledge or was it just handed to you? Like you have to, like, like you, you have to, ex, like the, the knowledge is out there for everybody to have. Anybody oh, it's, can go oh, out there it, and grab it, that knowledge. It's out there now. I'm talking about like back then. No, so, oh wait, are we talking about people and, and now or are we think, talking about people back then? I'm I'm thinking that he's referring to people now. Okay. I don't I don't I don't necessarily believe he was referring to people then because of course that wasn't a choice you were kidnapped. That's not a choice. But when we when we're in positions of power where we can actually do something and you choose not to do something about it, that's a choice. And 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 this kills. I mean, at least as far as my talk, this may kill two birds at one stone. But I was thinking, you know, the whole thing about black Republicans, and and saying that they are now uh, free thinkers. You know, and I think it's a little bit of conditioning as well. Because what do they say about Democrats? If you're a Democrat, then you're on the plantation. You're waiting for things to be handed to you. You know, you're waiting for welfare, waiting for HUD housing. You know, so if you're a Republican, then you're going to go out and, and do what you need to do to survive. You know, Republicans, like when you look at them on the forums, they're always the ones saying, well, you know, I get this all the time. When I say I'm a liberal on the forums and on, on the Facebook threads, they're like, oh, what are you doing? Uh, just waiting, sitting at home, waiting for your check. You know, the whole perception of Democrats or liberals is that we just want to just take from the government and not do anything. So, which is not true. <laughs> which is absolutely not true. But well, you, it does well, convince know, the, some um, people to just think, hey, well, if I'm a Republican, that means that I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm the hard worker. I'm the one who's supporting this country, and all you lazy liberals are just doing nothing. So in a, in a slight way, but you are right, though. Um, I, I do agree with you on the fact that if they really wanted to go get that knowledge, I mean, in this, in this day and age, everybody has a computer in their pocket. So there's no reason right. not to know anything, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, well, um, I forgot what I was reading the other day, but it said that unemployment had dropped down to 3.9 percent. Oh is, no, no, I, I'm, I, that's another story for another day. But yeah, unemployment is a tricky on, thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what was, supposedly that's what it was supposed to be. But either way, it was right. definitely below five percent for a very long time, even through the Obama, uh, Obama administration, and then it dropped a little bit more here recently. But my point is. For, for Republicans to look at Democrats in that light, that makes no sense because that factor alone tells you that the majority of the United States, except at least 5%, work. Whether they get food stamps or not, everybody works. Whether they get Section 8 or not, everybody fucking works. Like you really rarely can go through a neighborhood at this point with a number that low and find someone who is not working, even if they're only at McDonald's fixing burgers for $8 an hour. So everybody works. Like... The entire country is working, pretty much. But that's why I don't understand the the Republicans' viewpoint of, you know, a neighbor that 
probably, you know, Democratic, I guess it's, I'm assuming they feel like they work harder and they're the ones who are building this country and this financial standpoint, but they're not. I don't know where this mindset comes from. It's weird. Well, it, it, it comes from... It's to believe it. The media outlets that they choose to engage with tell them. Fox News. Even the narrative. <laughs> Well, and, and you know what's funny? You mentioned Fox News because Fox I always tell people, people like uh, like Candace, what's her name? The one that Connie's been uh, quoting lately. Candace something or another, you know. A lot of these people, like all these outlets like Breitbart and all of them, they don't make money like that. They really don't. But they will get support from the Mercers, from the Koch brothers, because they spew that propaganda, you know. But they're not profitable. Like the Blaze, not Tucker Carlson's thing, um, Glenn Beck's company. You know, Glenn Beck drives a Maybach and has a private jet, but his company is going under because they don't make money. But that money came oh. from uh, from donors because they're spreading that propaganda out there. There's no money in being a good guy, you know, because, you know, what's the old saying? Uh, being good is its own reward, you know, but there is money in being uh, a Republican pundit, because then if you're spewing that stuff, uh, if you're spewing that sewage, yeah, people exactly. will pay you for it. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, I, and I will admit this Candace person whose name, whose last name I really don't remember. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I really don't remember her last name. I had never heard of her until Kanye quoted her, you know. So because I don't really follow black Republicans like that. I know that's mean, but I really don't. Have, I don't either. I don't put too much stock in what they have to say because it. Republicans in general, but I mean, because I, I listen to the news and I watch Facebook, I find out some of the things that they say, but it's usually ridiculous, so it's like, all right. Yeah. But there's no money in being a good guy and when it comes to news. There's money in being a tool and having people pay you for it. Yeah. Right about that. All right, yeah, that was that was that was pretty much my my bird for the day. Uh, starting with good old Kanye. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> what Kanye done did. All right, so uh, what you got? Uh, for me, uh, I had something kind of, you know, I always do this thing where it's like I have something prepared, and then something catches my eye, and then I just take a do a complete one eighty. And I said, and I was telling Odie before, before we started taping that I really wasn't going to talk about Cinco de Mayo, you know, because I'm not, it's, when I say it's not that important, it has nothing to do with Mexican cultures because it's not really the Mexican Independence Day. Mexican Independence Day happened in 1810 uh, on September 16th, which is when the Mexicans uh, won their independence from Spain, right? Cinco de Mayo refers to one battle against the French when the French were trying to colonize Mexico back during the Civil War times. And um, it was the Battle of Puebla, if I'm pronouncing that right. And um, it's really only celebrated in Mexico in select cities, and especially in Puebla. But it's, it's celebrated in the United States pretty much as a celebration of Mexican culture. Like we have West Indian Day Parade in New York and, you know, all that other stuff. So, you know, that's perfectly fine. You know, sometimes people go overboard with the tequila and the sombreros and stuff like that. I know some Mexicans are just like, oh, you fucking gringos. But um, <laughs> at, the same time, at the same time, it's still a celebration of Mexican culture, which is perfectly fine to me. 
but it's erroneously called Mexican Independence Day. But there was one thing that caught my ear. There was a guy who was talking about Cinco de Mayo, and you always get videos of people saying, you know, what Cinco de Mayo was all about. And I always listen to him because, you know, I don't know much about Mexican culture, admittedly. And there was something that caught my ear that he said that made me want to research it a little bit more. And I couldn't back him up totally, but there was something interesting. So the French were getting most of their cotton from the United States, which, of course, came from the South. So when the Civil War happened, there was a blockade. So no textiles, were, no cotton was going to France or any other countries for that matter. And the French were really suffering as far as, I mean, it wasn't like they were eating cotton. It's not like, you know, but as far as their businesses were concerned, their textile mills were going broke. They had to lay people off, and all these industrials were losing a lot of money. So it was kind of like a little internal struggle between the French government and between the industrialists because the French government's stance on the Civil War was, hey, we're going to remain neutral. Now, on its face, they wanted to support the South because of the cotton, but the, uh, but the Union already said if they recognized the Confederacy, that's war. And if there was war, England and the other uh, European states at the time, European countries, would not back the French because they recognized you know, the Union. So basically, they were trying underhandedly to help the South. So what this gentleman was saying on this video was that the Battle of Puebla was to prevent the French from coming in to help uh, the South. And I could not find anything in, in Wikipedia and all these other historical pages to support that, uh, that particular fact. But That's the fact right. of the matter was that at that time, the French were trying to colonize Mexico. So, and the Battle of Puebla was a huge battle because... Uh, the Mexicans were outnumbered and outgunned, and they still managed to win. It was a short-lived win, but it was still a huge win. You know, but it was interesting. I did not know this about because they never teach this stuff in school. But I did not know the French were secretly trying to help the Confederacy, and it wasn't about slavery because the French had ended slavery like a hundred years earlier. So it wasn't about slavery and supporting of slavery. It was basically they needed that cotton for their textile mills. <laughs> so they were trying to sell them uh, ironclad warships and weapons and trying to, you know, burst, you know, get through the blockades and stuff like that. And I thought it was just very interesting. And I, and I had not known that until yesterday when I, when I was reading up on it. And I was just like, huh, they never taught us this in school. There's always a whole bunch of history that they never teach us in school. But at least, at least they didn't teach us that the Trail of Tears were basically the American Indians saying, oh, there's more Americans. Well, we'll just move over to this state and let you have this one. At least they didn't teach us that. <laughs> the way they teach people in school now. Or that slaves were just undocumented workers looking for a better life, according to Ben Carson. At least in elementary school and college, you know. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. But, I mean, and and even in high school, they were teaching a lot of... Uh, a lot of bitter truths. I mean, in elementary school and middle school, they're not going to just really go into the whole trail of tears thing. You know, they'll teach you the basics because they're not trying to let kids go home and have nightmares about, uh, you know, people being scalped. <laughs> but um, I just thought that, that was interesting. And I, I don't, I don't want to say that this gentleman was wrong, but I couldn't find anything to corroborate it. 
So I had the two sides. Like, yeah, you know, there was a civil war going on in – not a civil war, but the French were trying to colonize Mexico, and French uh, industrialists were trying to support the Confederacy for their cotton. But I couldn't find any proof that the Battle of Puebla was for uh, helping the Union in America. That I could not find. Not saying it's not true. I just couldn't find anything to support it. But it was still interesting all the same. But I, I will say one thing, kind of jumping off here. Um, in Maine, they have, uh, you know, uh, for us, for North Carolina, do not forget. I know it's sneaking up on us really fast as years going by fast. And I'm hoping it goes double time since we have uh, Orange Marmalade Whale Man in, in, as the president. But um, for North Carolina, Tuesday is uh, the primaries. So if you don't know who you're going to vote for, pull your ballots on Ballotpedia, pull them from the state website. Uh, League of Women Voters, like I said, is a nonpartisan way to find out what your candidates are all about without all the fluff, you know. But I, I read an interesting article in, uh, about the state of Maine and how they're trying to change. Because, you know, after this election, you know, after Trump getting in, after losing by almost three million votes, a lot of people are disenchanted with the uh, electoral college because you figure if one person got the majority of the votes, which was Hillary Clinton, how in the name of Jesus did she lose? It's because of the electoral college. And it's basically an, an, an election system basically built to protect slave owners <laughs> and keep them relevant. Because as you know, slaves are only counted as, what was it, three-fifths of a person as far as representation? So the southern states were, as far as at the time, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, registered Americans, the northern states were a lot more populous, you know. So the electoral system was kind of, instead of just going by a majority. Now, the problem that we have in our elections and the problem that we've had with a lot of people not voting, and I had to, already had to make an unpopular quote today because, you know, there's always people who were saying, oh, all you people who didn't vote, and Blue, you can go ahead and say it because I, I didn't vote for president. So, you know, I, I get torched on this every week, and I'm not going to say I don't deserve it. But I think the blame shouldn't lie with the people who didn't vote. I mentioned that 9% of registered Democrats voted for Donald Trump, you know. And then, of course, there are people who voted for Jill Stein and Gary Johnson. So they see them as spoilers, right? So you figure uh, a lot of people saw Ralph Nader as a spoiler in the 2000 election because they automatically assumed that people, if they didn't, if Ralph Nader wasn't there, that they would have voted for Al Gore. And that's absolutely not true. There's no way to know that. So how do we get around this whole thing about the spoiler? Or how do we get people like me who, if if we go into an unusual instance where we hate both candidates, you know, how do we get those people to vote? So, there was a, uh, a voting method called uh, ranked choice voting, okay? So I'm going to give you a brief overview of how it works. So let's just take the current election, the, well, the past election, as, a, uh, as an indicator, right? So we have four people running. You have Donald Trump, you have Hillary Clinton, you have Jill Stein, and you have Gary Johnson, right? So what you would do is you would just say you would look at your ballot, and you would say, you know what, if I had to vote for any of these garbage candidates, I'd vote for Jill Stein, so I'm going to put Jill Stein as number one. And then I guess I'd put Hillary as number two. I'd put Gary Johnson as three, 
and I really don't like Donald Trump, so I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump, right? But you would just rank your candidates in the order of who you want, right? And what would happen is this. Like a deferred, like a deferred, like a, de- like a deferment. Right, right. So what would happen is they would count up all the votes and go by the first choice. And if one person gets 51% of the vote, then that person wins the election. But if, you don't, if they don't get 51% of the vote, what happens is they'll say, all right, they count up all the votes. Whoever was uh, in last place, they are eliminated. So Jill Stein in this case would have been last place because she only got like a million votes in the whole election. So they would take all of Jill Stein's votes and they would go through all of Jill Stein's second choices. So, for instance, my second choice would have been Hillary Clinton in this case. So then Jill Stein's vote would go to Hillary Clinton. If your second vote, if your second choice was Gary Johnson, Gary Johnson would get that vote, so on and so forth, right? So then they would tally it up again. So if one person gets the, uh, the majority, then they win. If not, then they go through it again. Whoever's in last place, in this case would be Gary Johnson, they would eliminate him, take his vote, and then give it to the rest based on that on that next rank now i know you might be asking well what if you're what if you go in the the second or third round and then there's a person there who's who's already been eliminated so what if you're going in the in the third round and that next choice was uh jill stein then that vote will be counted as exhausted and then it wouldn't go to anybody and they would just keep going until there is uh one person gets the majority. So what this does is it eliminates the whole thing about the spoiler, you know, because everybody's getting kind of a, an equal shot. So if your guy doesn't get the vote, someone else may go ahead and get another vote, you know, we'll get that vote. Now, is the system perfect? No, it's not, it's not a perfect system. No voting system is a perfect system. But it's looking to inspire more people to vote because then this way they don't feel that they're voting for uh, the lesser of two evils, you know, and they don't feel like they're throwing a vote away on a third party. If, uh, you know, if their person doesn't win, then that means that their vote is still going to be counted, you know. So what caught my ear is... Are there, any, my, are there any places like that are currently implementing this or no? There, there are a couple, but what caught my... And, but, but mostly in primaries. And what caught my eye was that in Maine, they had uh, instituted it, which is why I started uh, studying up on it, because I'm like, well, that's very interesting. I, I kept watching all the YouTube videos and stuff like that. But then uh, I saw yesterday that the Republican Party is suing to block uh, right oh, choice they voting. We definitely want it then. Yeah. We <laughs> 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 got it. Because if they're going to be big mad over it, we got to have it. Yeah. And I, I look at it like this. The, you have people who, especially Republicans, I'm not saying that Democrats don't gerrymander because they do, but Republicans rely on it to stay in office. So any way that a Republican can do to stay in office without having to actually do anything, that's what they'll do. You know? And uh, the ranked choice voting to me it gets more people involved. It's like, you know, Republicans are always doing a scheme to, to limit voting because the less people that vote, the more likely it is that Republicans will win. You know, 
So anything that uh, that gets more people to the ballot box, Republicans don't want it, which is why they're suing in Maine, that they're suing to keep this out. So you have a, a governor in Maine, Paul LePage, who's an open racist. Like, how does that how does that even sound when you go to the judge and you say if it even gets to court? But like, let's say you get to court and you're like, you're like they're trying to make it fair. Like, <laughs> well, that's why they have to do the whole league. They can't just they can't just come right out and just like if I, I that's why I couldn't be a judge because I would just I would just be a terrible judge as far as my decorum because they would come up to like, well, judge, we can't make this more fair. We don't need more people voting. We need less people voting. And I would just be like. Get the fuck out of my courtroom. And that would just be the end of it. I wouldn't even hit the gavel. I would just be like, bailiff, remove him, please. Get him out of here. Let's go to the next case. I'd, be the, I'd have the worst decorum of any judge ever because people will come to me with, with BS like that. Because you're right. How do you present that as a case <laughs> to somebody who is sworn to uphold the law and interpret the law as is written? You can't. Yeah. So they're, they're just trying to stall. Vote. Uh, they don't deserve to vote. I don't understand. Like, what the fuck do you say to that? Yeah, because to me, it's just it's just a stalling tactic. Because for a lot of states, uh, their primaries are Tuesday, so it's just a matter for them. They're hoping that they could just stall it long enough to get past the primary, so they can keep their current system and keep a lot of these Republicans in office. But I mean, Paul LePage, who was their governor, is an open racist. You know, he thinks that all black, I mean, he's like, he's like the Bill O'Reilly type racist where he thinks that all black people have tattoos on their foreheads and sell drugs. So, um, and, and oh, oh, and, and my favorite, that uh, black drug dealers are crossing the border to have sex with their white daughters. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, hey, uh, that's ridiculous. Look up Paul LePage. <laughs> and, you, and you tell me if I'm being ridiculous about this guy, you know. But um, I, I think that this may be something, but a lot of states are looking at this, at least in their primaries, and it, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that if enough states uh, implement this system, that maybe it may be a step toward breaking the Electoral College. And even if they don't go ranked choice, that they at least go with the majority. Because technically, as much as I – I mean – there is, even though I don't like Hillary Clinton at all, there is no equality between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. There are some similarities as far as their ties to money, but as far as, you know, I'm pretty sure if Hillary Clinton hired an EPA chief, they wouldn't be trying to destroy the EPA. I'm pretty sure if Hillary Clinton hired an, an education secretary, they'd at least be able to read, you know. So I, I, that for, on that, I would just, there's no... There's no equality between those two, you know. So, and I'm looking at 2020, and I'm like, and I'm like, kind of. I want to be like Trump. It's like we went from. I love how we went from Kanye to politics to like literally no, like no actual segue. Like where like normally you have. <laughs> I love how we like totally did that. But yeah, I just physically, mentally, I was drained um, from from social media this week. So mm. glad we were able to inform and keep it light. Do you have anything else, Russ? 
Oh no, uh, that that was all I had. Thank you. Well, the reason I kind of, um, I guess you kind of got the politics behind the Kanye thing. You know, it started because his ass was out seen wearing that MAGA hat, and that's where it started. And he was defending Donald Trump. So, you know, Donald Trump is my boy, and everybody used to fuck with him in the rap game until he got into office. Now nobody don't fuck with him no more. That's where it started. It started with yeah. politics. Kanye brought they, politics into it. Yeah, because they, they have that dragon energy. <laughs> MAGA, yeah, he had that. He had the hat on. He was—I don't even know who the two white guys he was in the picture with. Then he was, um, you know, caught out looking fat and crazy with the same hat on somewhere else. <laughs> so yeah. You know, I—I—I yeah. I, I, I will say one thing. You know, Kanye having that breakdown and talk about you know addressing the, the TMZ folks and being you know it was like it's because y'all called me fat. No, I'm hooked on opioids. I'm just like. You've got to be fucking shitting me, man. I mean, you're not, I mean, it's not like you're a bikini model. You're a rapper. Who gives a shit? Like, nobody gets, like, I, I couldn't see, you know. That was something I'm saying. It was for Kim. It wasn't for, it wasn't for us. Because right. if you listen to that interview when he was like, I did it for y'all because y'all was calling Rob fat and Rob didn't come to the wedding because he didn't want to be fat shamed. But nah, sir, you did that for your wife because your wife probably told you to get it together. She was used to being with athletes. And here you come <laughs> with your regular schmegular body. And uh, she you wasn't have that rapper. How many fat rappers there are out there? Yeah. Some rappers call themselves fat. Fat Joe. Heavy D. He don't give a shit. <laughs> the fat boy. He's been watching for years. <laughs> you don't care. I, I will say one thing that's funny when I mention the Fat Boys. I know I'm going off script here, but um, Cool Rockski from the Fat Boys lost a tremendous amount of weight. And he was in an article. Was, this, this was years ago. He was at one of those, those uh, old school rap summits, and people kept walking up to him like, yo, what group were you in? Because they didn't recognize him. They were what group were you in? He was like, Fat Boys. They were like, what? You? <laughs> the light-skinned one? No, 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 no. Not, no, not the light-skinned one. The... Uh, I guess you could say the middle one. What? Not not Buffy. Not the the human beatbox. Yeah, he passed the, away. The biggest the biggest one that I remember. The, he's like the shortest. He he died, right? Of course yeah, he, he died. Oh, he died years ago. He, and it was it was yeah, of yeah, complications yeah. about his weight. I mean, he right, was, right, he, right, right. So Kurowski was the other one. Not Marky D, the light skinned one, but Kurowski. But he lost a tremendous amount of weight, and nobody recognized him. So like I said, he was at the summit. And they're like, "What group were you in, Fat Boys? You?" No, because <laughs> you're not fat anymore. <laughs> but I, mean, I have to look. But Connie sounded like such a little girl out there. Like you, you called me fat. You know, I'm a, I'm a big dude myself. You know, and I, I struggle with my weight. I understand that. But I mean, I'm not gonna go out and get. I mean, I know some people who have, who've tried everything and end up getting the uh, the lap band. You know, in, in order to lose the weight. Liposuction? I don't know if I can do that because that just seems. Ugh, I don't know if I can do that. The whole lipo thing—that's just mm, to each their own, you know. Yeah, but I mean, exercise, man. I mean, that's my thing—is that I don't exercise. I'm not saying if I if I exercise, I wouldn't be a, uh, I still wouldn't be big. 
But at least I can make it up and down the steps without being out of breath. <laughs> Exercise a little bit more. But I mean, it's not like it's not like Kanye can't get a personal trainer. He's rich. Get a personal trainer to help you out. Don't go out. Don't go. I don't have a meltdown. TMZ. Y'all call him fat. You know, I'm addicted to opioids. Like you wasn't already drinking and drugging for years. You think you you think you rolled up on that stage with, on Taylor Swift because you were sober? No. So. I I don't know what to say about Kanye. I mean, but our, our thing is this, you know. It's so easy to talk about Kanye's coonery. It really is because it's just always out there. Like I can't I can't get on YouTube now without seeing like three videos about Kanye popping up. Yeah. Cause now, yeah. Because now he's all over the place. But you know what? Eventually, it's gonna go away. Eventually, people will find something else to talk about. You know, so Kanye is, is so he, he he's the flavor of the minute, but it is only going to be a minute, you know, until he finds something else stupid to do to get back in the limelight. But I, I will throw one quick thing out there. I know I don't know how much time we have left. I didn't set my own timer, but um, did y'all hear this whole thing with Ben Carson about uh, HUD housing? You know, he's the secretary of, of HUD. And and uh, I don't know if this is going to go through, but he plans on tripling the prices of HUD housing because he feels that if he makes HUD housing more expensive, it will inspire poor people to find ways to make more money. So in other words, you know, you didn't get a job that pays more because you just don't want to because it's your choice. So you figure now, if your house is more expensive, you have no choice but to go out and, and get a, a better-paying job. I, people like, like Kanye, like Ben Carson, like Candace, whatever the fuck her name is, I don't think that they're really – I don't know Candace, whatever her name is. I don't know her social status. I don't know if she's rich. I don't know anything about her. But you figure Ben Carson and Kanye West are wealthy, and they're targets because they are – uh, supposedly self-made, you know. So they're they're like the started from the bottom crowd, you know. Like that that was Ben Carson's qualification for for being HUD secretary because he used to live in HUD housing when he was younger. That's his recommendation. That's like that's like I've heard somebody say that's like like, like me being president of Delta Airlines because I flew on an airplane a couple times, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it, the whole thing about the dynamic of people and how they live and their like everybody has a story and some stories may be similar, but no two stories are really the same. You know, you see a homeless person in the street. The first thing that these conservatives and some liberals, I'm not going to lie, may say is always oh, just a bummy doesn't want to work. Look at him just sitting there with a cup in his hand, but they don't know that guy's story. They don't know how he got there. He may just be mentally ill. Or he may have tried everything. Maybe he, had, maybe he had his own business and put his house up for a business that failed and then lost you know, his home. I was, you know. I was reading a story about a man who was – well, not reading a story. It was like a video. And it was talking about the comeback of this man who uh, was on – and he was homeless, but he was on the street playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, like, his backstory was like, he, his wife passed away, 
and eventually his son was taken away from him because he was like an alcoholic and he was battling addiction. Mm-hmm. And the only way he got back on his feet was because some couple like taped him playing the piano, sounding great. Um, and he ended up going viral, and then someone set up a GoFundMe to help him get back on his feet. <laughs> so he he bounced back due to the help from others. And I always wonder how how people who have that stance of like, oh, you don't deserve a handout or you shouldn't get a handout, how they feel when they see stories like that. Because I'm like, here's someone who had a second chance, has made the best of it, and, you know, seems to be back on his feet and doing really well, but not without help from others. And he was actually also someone that was in the military. So let me actually go back to that part. So this was someone, I forgot what branch of the military he was in, but he was in the military and um, became homeless. So I'm like, well, if it wasn't for the kindness of strangers when the government should have been helping him, then, like, like, what are we doing? Like, what does that say about humanity? Right. There, there was a, a, a group called uh, Coffee Party. They had a lot of internal problems, so I, I ended up stop, I stopped following them. I don't even know if they still exist. But they were trying to be, like, more of a uh, – they were like a response to the Tea Party. So they were trying to be more neutral and more sensible, you know. And um, there was a woman who told a story. She had, there was an interview with her. She was a long-term uh, Republican, right? And then because of a divorce, you know, she ended up with the kids, and she was doing really bad, you know, really struggling, you know, not being able to put food on the table. And one of her friends told her, hey, listen, you need to swallow your pride. You need to get your ass down to the food bank and get food for your kids, right? So she went to the food bank, and she thought they were going to give her a couple of bags of groceries. They gave her like two shopping carts full of groceries and told her she can come back X amount of times per month to get more food. And that was kind of when she realized, like, hey, you know, I supported Republicans for years. Nobody, no Republicans were supporting programs like this, you know, that this was more of a, a liberal thing to have a food bank, you know, to, to help poor people not starve to death. You know, and it's not like we don't have the money for it. Of course, we have the money for it. Jeff Bezos made what? What did he make? Like eight billion dollars in a day because his stocks went up. So the money is there. It's just not being distributed to the people as it should. And when I say distributed, I don't mean do like, oh, here you go, here goes a check for nothing. I mean like as far as people's wages and you know, if you, there is no state in the union where you can make a minimum wage and get a two-bedroom apartment. There is none. There is maybe like, out of all the counties in the United States, there may be like one or two counties where you can do that. But for the for, for 99.9% of the I don't remember what it was, but they, um, there was an article I read, you know, a couple articles actually. So one, they said that no stately union could you ever – get a two-bedroom apartment on minimum wage. And there was one where there was like, there were, all, there were maybe like two or three counties in the, in the entirety of the United States. You know how many counties are in each state where if you made minimum wage, you could probably get at least a one-bedroom apartment. But you can't afford an apartment on minimum wage. You know? So, it's not, I mean, where I live, apartments start at $785. But damn, I need to move over there. So you can't, and, and, and but for me, this is a one bedroom, one bath. So it's not like, um, not like I'm living in a two bedroom for that amount. 
But in, in other places, I could get a two-bedroom for that amount, but I don't make minimum wage. If I made minimum wage, there'd be no way I could, I could afford this place that I have now. So when people like Kanye West, who, are, who have been – it kind of hurts more for Kanye and Ben Carson because they came from humble beginnings. You know, and they kind of forgot where they came from, and they forgot how what they, they forgot what it is to to miss your stop on the bus because you fell asleep on the bus going home because you're so tired from working all day. Because it wasn't them suffering, though. Can we keep it in mind? It was their parents for the most part. Right, right, exactly. You know, so it, it, it's and kind parents of like, typically shield their children from the stresses that they experience. So they may not, as though they may have been in that bubble, they may have not been exposed to the attributes of that bubble. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it may just depend on the empathy of the child. Like I always talk about, you know, my dad, when he used to work, like I'm very glad that my dad is healthy and able to enjoy his retirement because there was a point where he was working six days a week to, to keep all his children fed and to keep a roof on our heads and clothes on our back. You know, so now he's retired and he's uh, enjoying his retirement, you know, and I'm and I'm very I only regret that my mom couldn't be there to enjoy it with him. But I'm happy for him because of how hard he worked all his life. And that's what it's supposed to be. You have Social Security helped so many elderly folks get out of poverty. And now they want to destroy Social Security because they want that money. And people like Kanye and Ben Carson don't understand that. Ben Carson just thinks that people just don't want to make more money <laughs> like we're just like oh i make minimum wage oh you know what i don't really need to make any more than that so i'll just sit here depending on how he, grows, how he grew up he might have been exposed to those conversations as in i've heard those conversations in which people were eligible for like a raise or a managerial position and they'd be like no 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 i'm on section eight i need to stay right here and i'm fine with this don't pursue no more education don't pursue any more advancements in their quote, quote, unquote, air quote, career, and that's mm-hmm. what it is. I know people that have been you know, in Section 8 for 20 years doing the same rhythm of role, had the opportunity to do better and decided not to because nothing could offset, no matter what money they made, they thought they could never offset the benefits they were getting from Section 8. Right. And that, and that part I get because you figure uh, with some people, they figure, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm on the wrong, if I'm on the wrong track here, Blue. But some people figure uh, if they're in Section Eight, right? And unless your home is crawling with roaches or you got drug dealers and stuff like that all around you, you know, if you're just living in a clean, comfortable home, right? And you're worried about the future. Like, so for instance, you've been working, you know, minimum wage jobs all your life, which means that you're gonna have nothing in your Social Security. Right? You figure if you got a good thing going, stick with it. So if you rise up, so to speak, and now you got to pay $800 a month for your apartment, or now you got to, you know, do all this other stuff, then uh, you may as well be good where you are. But that's only because there's no stability. And that's a major problem in the United States because there's no, like for instance, there's no rent control. So they could just arbitrarily just raise your rent just because. And now with Airbnbs, people are forcing people out of their apartments so they can rent them out as Airbnbs to people. So there's no stability. So I, I definitely get what you're saying if, if I'm on the right track, where if you have a good thing going, 
stick with it. But that's only back to the Airbnb. Oh, I've heard, I've seen that. I was wondering what that trend was about. I didn't get it until just now. Thank you for that. No. <laughs> but um, uh, it's a sad state of affairs where there's no, like, for instance, my mom told me about my dad when we were kids. You know, this part I was too young to remember. My father worked three jobs at one point, right? Uh, he worked construction. He, he drove a cab. My mom said he used to take me with him on, like, Sundays, and I don't remember that. I was too young for that. And then he would work any odd job that he could find. And then he got into the union, and once he got into the union, he only had to work that one job. And like I said, he worked six days a week, but he was able to support eight kids and uh, buy a house, buy two cars in the van, you know, do all this stuff. You know, he had that stability, and now, he has, now he's got a pension to live off of in his, in his old age. There's not that stability anymore. You know, a lot of people have been working for 10, 15 years and have $25,000 in their 401Ks. What are they supposed to do when they're old? So people like Kanye and Ben Carson don't understand that because they've become rich. And, and like Blue said, they may have been shielded from the realities of uh, being working class when they were younger because they probably didn't have to work all that hard when they were younger. They had, you know, they had the opportunity to go to school. You know, Kanye did his music. You know, I don't remember where Kanye went to school, if he did at all. So, but um, they Maybe didn't have a dropout. <laughs> I should have known that that was the title of his record. <laughs> but um, it, it, it's a sad state of affairs. And the thing is, is that they believe in mass that um, if you're poor, it's because you want to be. Because if all you got to do is just work hard and – Yes, yeah, like American. me. Yeah. Me, me. I, got, I did it, so you can too. Yeah. But like I said, everybody's story's not the same. Yeah. Some stories are similar, but not the same. But I, I, I've been running my mouth for too long. What do you guys have? Oh, that's it. You know, um, oh, you did her thing, I believe. Yeah, and I didn't have anything because I was on the Kanye tip with... Um, that introduction, you know, you did your thing. Mercedes, she had an event. She had to um, fall off. She had a guest, but he was on her line, so he fell off, you know. So I guess unless Odie has something else. I'm I'm good. I'm out and about. I'm out in the streets trying to get my uh, Cinco de Mayo menu together. So. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and in Durham, we have the Strawberry Festival downtown. So, I yes. did hear about that. Oh, nice. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of 360 Degrees, where you give you the information from our perspectives on what you need. Therefore, if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe to the Urban Breakout featuring hit shows such as 360 Degrees, Politics, He Said, She Said, from black man's perspective, though I think I'm deleting that one off. They have been incognito for a minute now. All right. Y'all take care. Be well. All right.